Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort, and money on repetitive tasks that added no value. One day, the Better Automation Podcast by Processio came to help them find a way. Because of this, these businesses save time, reduce costs, innovate, and make better decisions. Because of that, these businesses grow scale, and use human creativity to change this world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm your host at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their very best ideas on how to improve automation in your business processes and life. My guest today is Alexis Kovalenko. Alexis is the founder of the French no-code community in 2018, which now has over 6,000 members and the co-founder of Contournement, a no-code hacker and a full-stack entrepreneur. Contournement is one of the pioneering education companies around no-code in Europe. Alexis is also the host of No-Code World Radio, which is an English language podcast about no code. Alexis, how are you today? Hi, Aziz. I'm very good. Very happy to have a chance to chat with you again, especially about automation, which is a, a topic I'm very passionate about. It's fascinating that you're passionate specifically about automation. Why is that topic so important or a focus for you? So, you know, I'm originally a programmer. So ever since I know how to code, I've always written myself some small scripts, some things, you know, to help myself do my work, do my homework, maybe even when I was a student, you know, like I feel like code has helped me a lot back in the days to, to be more efficient uh, for and save time. And now I'm very happy that with all those no-code tools, Zapier, Make, all those tools, you can do the same without coding and it's much more accessible so everyone now has a chance you know to 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 stop doing repetitive repetitive tasks to do all those things that the machine can do and you know this save saves time you can spend that time with your friends maybe you can st spend that time learning maybe you can spend that time uh, working more if you want to earn more you know maybe i don't know so yeah i like this concept you know like automating for saving time pretty much why is saving time important for you? Well, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, it's the one resource that, you know, we keep losing, like, you know, one second after the other. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, feel a bit in a urge. Maybe it's not good, actually, but that, you know, to do many things. I'm interested in many things, so I want to learn a lot. There's many people to meet. You know, there, there's a lot of things to be done. There's a lot of travel to be made, you know, so that's why, you know, I kind of always feel like we don't have enough time. So you're a poly, polymath, basically. And well, to ask you about this, because it's very important, I can understand automation for personal productivity. But when it comes to businesses, do you feel businesses should begin with a plan for automation from their very first day or week or month? Or they should do things, you know, in the repetitive way until they find their product market fit. And when they find it, then they can, 
be focused on automation? Do you find that automation is something that nowadays so accessible, so important, which should be from the very first day, or you begin as an entrepreneur with a chaos, and then only when you begin to earn money, then you turn that into order and efficiency? Well, I think part of the answer is in, is in the question. I think you know this, this topic quite well. I don't think you should be f automating everything from day one because it's not just about earning money. I think it's also because at the beginning, you don't really know what you want to automate. So I think things, you need to do them in the repetitive way, in the like by hand a few times and iterate already by hand. And then once you know exactly, because you might already make the process you want to automate better just by hand. And once you know exactly what to do, then maybe you can automate. You shouldn't wait too long also, that's that's true. I think you have to have it in mind. But And I think there's even like a, a portion that's in between that when you, I would say, semi-automate, you know, you automate parts of the process, some you keep doing by hand until, you know, brick after brick of this whole process, step after step, you manage to, to automate everything. Thank you. And that reminds me of something very important since you're speaking about processes and everything. I don't know how you're doing it at the French no-code community or contournement, but do you believe there are two schools of thought? One of them is to use the best practices, the, you know, the proven SOPs or standard operating procedures for your business processes to follow that. While other people say, if you do that, then you're not unique. You will be too similar to what everybody's doing. So you should try to innovate and at least create some difference in the processes that you are using. And therefore, your business really should not look from the inside similar to any other business in this world. Which one do you agree with? Do you view, uh, view this as a, a right perspective? Do you see people within your community following one philosophy or the other? You know, I would say that I'm, I'm more of the second school, I would, I would say, to answer your question straight away, uh, because, because of the no-code tools. Like all those tools, like mentioned a few, but I mean, there are more, there's so many things. They're, they're making things so accessible that you have a chance to make things like your own, you know, like you to adapt exactly your way you want to automate, you want to operate exactly to fit your business and, and your and your what the way you want to to proceed uh, because those things are more accessible. Maybe back in the days, it was easier to fit into into like more standard things and tools that would lead you, you know, into. But now I, I think, I mean, I don't know, that's maybe this, what I'm saying is not applying to all businesses, maybe like some specific businesses have to follow very strict procedures, but in the general, you know, sense of what we're talking entrepreneurship, I, I would say like, you know, now we, we, we are able and we should aim to, to do things really our way. Thank you. And to step back a little bit, you mentioned you come from the coding uh, space and as a programmer, and now your focus is no code, you're investing your life, you're betting on it, all that. How was that journey or that background story of you becoming interested in no code? What value do you find it offers people? And do you see it as something that is um, 
indispensable for the future that will really really make everything different because of the citizen developers because of the ease of use because of all of that so it's it's a mix of two things i would say for myself uh, so i've worked like almost 15 years as a developer and lead dev and, and cto I was very technical and i still love like the technical aspect of building products but I got a little tired, you know, like it's, it's tough to stay on, on the standards, you know, all the new frameworks. When you're a coder, you have to, to be very good all the time and learn new things and it gets exhausting, and you, you know, the older you get. But for the, the, how I, I really discovered and got into those no-code tools and no-code space is because of my co-founder, Erwan, who, who was following those tools already since since when it was not called no-code tools, like he was building site with websites with Squarespace back in 2010. He, and he was, like we met in a company started uh, seven years ago to help people become programmers to make code more accessible. But back then it was with code, with tools like Ruby on Rails, which are making it's easier to learn and build things with Ruby on Rails than to build things with, I don't know, C or, you know, like all those very tough languages. So I was very interested in uh, making technical building more accessible. And he f was also following those tools. He discovered Bubble back in 2014. He showed me showed it to me back in, the, in those days. And I was like, yeah, it's not very stable. It's, I'm, code, I'm a coder, so I don't really care. You know, I kind of dismissed it. I, I have to admit it at first. But then in 2018, I discovered Webflow, like the two tools that really made me switch, I would say is Webflow, which I found is an amazing tool for programmers also, you know, like I could see like, okay, this Webflow was built by web developers who want to make life easier, you know, for people to build websites and they know their, what's the pain and Airtable, I think it's more in the subject of automation. I think Airtable is making uh, building a relational database so much easier. It's improving the life of so many people. They say, okay, like I, I know how to build a MySQL uh, database, but it's complicated. Not everyone can do that. Airtable is bringing this in, in almost a fun way. You know, like using Airtable, I think it's fun. It's beautiful. It's colorful. And so this is uh, really what convinced me. And then the last reason I would say, like we got, as you said, we're really betting on, on this because it's true. It's, uh, it's because we saw an opportunity, I would say. Like in 2018, 2019, there was already a lot of content in English. There was, there was uh, several like great people already producing content, but nothing in French. And so we said, okay, like we have a chance now to kind of come and be some among the pioneers of the, bringing this no-code movement and some of those tools into the French community. So we started the community, we provide free content, we build online courses. And then slowly we realized that automation, and I include our table in automation, it's um, really the, the future. It's, it's not building websites, building apps with Bubble and all this is amazing. But what most people need is automating, is organizing their data better, improving their work, their productivity. And so that's why we went full in this like no-code ops thing specifically, I would say. Thank you. And I have a very important question to me personally that I believe maybe Contour de Mont will be a factor in solving this issue. I was reading, I think yesterday itself, about some professors and teachers that are saying Generation Z and Alpha 
are really, really bad at using even simple tools like Excel because they grew up on iPads or on phones, etc., where they already have the app. It's so easy to use. The UI UX is already thought through. They don't use um, a lot of desktop or laptop apps in general. And therefore, like a teacher was showing them how to use to do some things in Excel. And they really were confused, not in a lazy way, but that they literally had no idea how to use Excel at all and the logic of it was lost on them 100% compared to all the apps that they click on uh, to use in a much, much simpler way. You were speaking about how anybody could learn Airtable, uh, learn uh, Processio, learn whatever tools that you're speaking about, but if in the future people are less and less um, able to handle the fundamentals and the basics of uh, computer creation, uh, of biz ops, of uh, no code building, what what will happen? You know, if because a lot of the people involved now in the no code community grew up on enough of the desktop tools to understand okay so when you click on this this happens uh, they understand the logic they can get some intuition for how uh, something can work they can at least have a basic understanding of databases and all that but if the newer generation doesn't even have those basics all they know is how to play video games and to click totally optimized ui ux apps how can Contournement help with this? Do you notice it in the French market with the younger generation? Because this was a North American uh, like um, article that I was reading about. And what are your thoughts about this? Well, it's probably the same. I, I wouldn't say I noticed it. To be honest, it's super interesting. I, I didn't know about, about that uh, kind of study and those uh, conclusions. So thanks for sharing this with me because it's, it makes sense. And it, it, it gives me the opportunity to, to say that I think... What applies to Excel might not apply to Airtable because I truly believe that part of this, I don't know if I would say no-code revolution, but you know, let's say, okay, this is like movement or whatever um, phenomenon, is part is, the, is a UX revolution. It's like all those tools, Airtable in first, is extremely well designed to make it accessible to most people. So I'd be curious to see, you know, like if uh, I, I didn't have access to really uh, young people enough, you know, to, to, to try this. But I, I would bet that because all those people are you saying, all those young people, they're fluent with the numeric stuff. Maybe they can't. And I, I really understand that they won't uh, find Excel um, making sense for them. But still, you know, they're very, um, I don't say, comfortable with the computer in general, the mouse, you know, clicking, well, maybe more with the phone than, but so I think a table might work better with them. And, you know, I would say also the same for older generation, you know, because I see my, my parents, you know, they have a hard time also understanding things that are happening in the computer. So also for them, it's hard to use Excel. And I think maybe a table would be easier. But it's it's super interesting. I will when I go back to France, I will definitely try to get like uh, fifteen year olds and and show them a table. I would be very interested to know what you'll discover as well. This will be very valuable to the community and to the understanding because there are a lot of assumptions. And I will play the devil's advocate, although you know I love the no code community, and you mentioned the no code revolution. Do you really believe? 
there is such a thing or is it something we say to each other just like a football team hooligans or whatever who love the same team and they're like we're the best in the world we will win blah 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 but it's not really real it's just the words that encourage each other so to you logically and practically do you what revolution is there or even if it's not a revolution what big impact uh, does no code have is it like some people will say i think i remember there is a video by steve jobs i know it's uh, from a long time ago who was speaking about like uh, abstracting code it's it's similar to no code um he wasn't really dissing no code per se but he was saying that uh, you have to understand code so that you can create tight code and then you can write like eight lines that replace a billion things but if you abstract it people will lose that ability that logic that understanding and therefore they create bloated apps that are not as optimized as if you're a hard code coder who understands what he's doing so what is the no code revolution is it real and if it's real what difference will it make in the years to come um so yeah I've, you're right you know i, I don't really like to, to use the word revolution because it's a bit too much and we're also in a bit of a bubble between ourselves and we're very convinced about all this but what I would say is just it's a well Steve Jobs you know is definitely a visionary so we can't take that from off from him I would say it's just a matter of uh, several facts that brings this no code uh, tools together I don't know movement revolution whatever phenomenon I don't know it's just to, to which world but you know it's like Fast internet, very powerful uh, clouds and uh, browsers, and and this UX, you know, and you bring all this, and you are very, you just have to type bubble.io or airtable.com, and you're into a software that is accessible to use almost straight away, not directly straight away. That's why we do courses, uh, but it's much easier than learning how to code, or much easier to learn how to use Excel, I would say. So. That's, you know, it's like all those facts come together and they bring this. Where are we going? You know, we were asking this in the previous question. I think, and that's the wish of several um, uh, tool publishers like uh, Emmanuel from Bubble, the co-founder. He doesn't like the word no-code. And he believes, and a lot of people agree, that we won't be using no-code anymore in five years. Just the term. Maybe we say visual programming. Maybe, you know, it just won't be, will be the same. Because as you were saying, and that video of Steve Jobs, really everyone should watch it, you know, it's no code is just the, the higher level of abstractions, you know, like he's saying in this video, I think yeah, you, you're right with eight line of codes, what people were, I don't know, putting several hundred. And now it's just, you're, you don't write code, you just drag and drop some blocks and you're the same as those eight line of codes, you know. So it's just a higher level of abstraction and eventually just become the norm. There will be coders, visual programmers, you know, and... And what's the impact? Well, I would say just more people able to build, you know, uh, digital products and more people, which is what is interesting us even more, uh, working efficiently, you know, with digital uh, tools and automating things and, you know, being, uh, that's, that's the impact I can see, but it's true. We're very, at the very beginning. Maybe that won't happen, really, because maybe not everyone is going to embrace those those tools. We'll see, but it's it's we we see an increase, you know, especially during the COVID time, the lockdown. There's like very like all those 
Noco tools and they raised a lot of money also, also so they're here for a long time you know our table is valued i don't know like one two billion four billion i don't know so like those numbers so they're they're here to stay you know i think but we'll see we'll see together and we have a chance to talk you know in a few years hopefully yes actually no code i remember a microsoft front page from the 90s it was called what you see is what you get or uh with wig or something like that i'm not really sure so or um, I think it was Licos in French where you can build a website similar to Squarespace, but very basic. So it was a drag and drop and therefore it has gone through a lot of iterations. Now it became its own thing. And to ask you again, a lot of entrepreneurs or business people who come to the no-code space, maybe they have this blame thing about what is offered to the people or the idea or the assumption there is oh like i remember one um no code teacher was saying in order you know to succeed at no code you should plan this year to finish 20 projects uh, and all that so the focus is on skill development rather than actually creating something that earns money that creates revenue that makes a difference and an impact for clients and therefore someone will get enthusiastic they will get lost in the skill development they will go through all the courses and then end up in like losing money and thinking what did i get into and they might feel negatively about the no-code community rather than positively because they were going in the wrong way and there was a marketer who gave this example he said look if your clients are someone who had an accident on the road and they're bleeding, they don't care if you come to them with like um, a, a bicycle to take them to the hospital or in a Rolls Royce. All they care about is to get to the hospital so that they will survive. And therefore, where do you draw the line? Is, is this just marketing or is there really too much focus on skills compared to usefulness? And you spoke about efficiency. Or do you believe that even if you find something that is useful to clients, if your skills are not there, you will not really deliver a satisfactory experience and therefore you end up losing? What is your thought on this? It, it's good that you're opposing those, those two things, I would say. Um, I'm definitely more on the skill side, uh, but uh, I, I see also your, your point. Uh, but that's where I, I would also draw a line between building products for clients or for yourself, you know, if you want to launch a startup or something, you have an idea and automating, organizing, you know, productivity. And I think in productivity, like learning how to use automation tools or database tools, if you have those skills, they will always be useful to you and to people. I think like it's, it's because, you know, like literally just even just to organize your uh, recipes for your, your kitchen, you know, or I don't know, like do your to-do tool or to-do list in uh, inside a table. So, you know, like this is very, uh, how to say, you know, like a, a skill, skill set that's going to be used in very various ways. While building tools, building products, it's, it's that you have to deliver something that's valuable, it's true. But that we don't we don't need you know also like ten thousand of Airbnb clones and marketplaces and I feel like sometimes also there is a bit too much product being built because a lot of people are hoping also to to get the next you know unicorn or something like this while you know 
just the basic skill of automating will always be useful to you and to people because everyone needs it. Thank you. Since everyone needs it, do you have some examples or stories or just recommendations for business people who, let's say, they think, okay, me as an entrepreneur, I should learn automation and uh, database uh, no-code skills or one of their team or a few, they should upskill them with these skills. They will think in terms of return on investment, what kind of specific or tangible results or problems they can solve if they add more and more automation skills to their uh, teams. Um, so I will take the example because it's quite quite common. Uh, E-commerce, so you know, on, an online shop, building like there is this uh, this uh, brand in Paris called Loom. Uh, it's they're doing like uh, clothes that are very durable. They're very like you know, uh, trying to be eco-friendly and all this. They, when they started, it's two two people, uh, two co-founders. And they didn't have a developer. They didn't have coding skills. And they decided, okay, we, we will manage to start our online shop without developers. So they went to Shopify. This is to do the shop. Like people know about that. But then when you're doing, when you're selling clothes, you have many things that are happening after the sale. You have to send an email to the client to confirm that the sale went okay. Then you have once the the clothes has been shipped you have to sell again send an email to confirm the shipping you have to know once the one the clothes has arrived and this you can do manually also but of course but if you want to scale you have to do it you can automate this you know all this sequence of email and having the email sent at the right time requires some coding skills or a good usage of automation tools like you know the one we we mentioned and those people, they manage to do everything without uh, coders, even sending the data to the warehouse, sending like, you know, many things. They have a great experience, client experience. And it goes back to the, the question you were asking earlier about like, of course, they could have used a, a tool for email sequences, you know, that, that exists, you know, like drip emails. or, But they decided to do by themselves, they used uh, Make. And they just they wanted to have their own experience for their client, you know, something very custom. For instance, after three months, they send you an email uh, to say, oh, how is your clothes going? Is, is, it, is there a hole or something? Can we repair it? I don't know. One year later also, they just wanted to not use something that's on the shelf. They wanted to build their own experience and provide, you know, a great experience because it was important to them. And so they could own, you know, this and... I think that that was uh, that there are many many examples. I like this one because it's a brand that is quite successful still to this day. Uh, they, they don't have any coders, you know, so they saved a lot of money. You know, you're asking about the return on investment. Well, they already saved in the beginning because they didn't have to invest, so their investment was much lower. They had, they had a lot to invest already to build the clothes, you know, to produce the clothes, to produce things. So if they could save on the digital part which is very important to them because they are online shop only. They don't have a physical shop. So, you know, like this, uh, this is, I think, a uh, easy way to, to see, you know, where, where you save money and you, and you save also the staff, the small staff, because everything is automated. 
Thank you. And before we finish, I have to ask you this question. I was speaking to the founder of NoCode Germany, and what he said he wants is to prove that developers are wasting a lot of time being inefficient and unproductive, that maximum they're truly being productive two hours in the day. And therefore, using no-code tools is really, really, really much more efficient and uh, productive than hiring coders or having a coding team. In most cases, of course, we're not speaking like people at Google or whatever, but for most normal companies. As someone who knows both sides, you uh, have been very technical, CTO and all that, as well as the no-code side. Do you agree with this or is this just a perspective of someone who loves no code and therefore sees everybody else as wrong? Uh, I, I had a chance to, to meet him actually and we had a, a chat. He knows also code, like the coder world very well because he had a startup like recruiting like top level coders. And so, but I think he's being a bit harsh on the, the productivity of, of coders. Um, what, I, what I would say is that I would like to see code, more coders embrace, especially uh, automation tools, because part of, like they could save time. There are things you, you will always have to code. I think we're really far from the time where no code tools can allow you to do everything. But mixing both, I think, is the true secret of productivity. You know, and a coder, and I include myself in this, you know, with a back background, you know, in technical skills, who also masters the, the no-code tools, and especially the automation tools, you know, to connect APIs and things like that. You know, connecting APIs is a long process. You have to learn to read the documentation. You know, when you're a coder, it's tough. You're, you know, writing a lot of code to, to process the data. You can do this with automation tools saves you a lot of time. And then the specific part, maybe maybe processing the data in a specific way that's very, like for your project, very specific, then you code that, you know. And a lot of tools, they allow you to put code inside them also, you know, like literally, like you, I think Airtable for this, again, I love Airtable, so that's why I talk a lot about it, but Airtable, you know, you can put scripts, you can build apps with code, you know, there is this mix of no code plus code, which I think is part of the this future. And it can be two, two different people, you know, a no-coder working with a coder, but it's, the no-coder is saving time and enhancing the productivity of the coder, or, or it can be the one, one person who does that is all. There is this very interesting project, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, Code Meets No Code, I think, that by uh, Aaron and uh, Connor. It's a community of no-coders, I think, who are mixing a lot of code, like have a more of a low-code approach to those tools and they're doing amazing thing you know they're, they're unstoppable you know they can do everything so yeah and you can come from both sides you know to to have this approach so i hope more coders come to towards no code but i wouldn't say no coders are more efficient than you know coders it's very it's different thank you that's very balanced a very balanced perspective and since you're mentioning um no code tools that can add code within them um, process you can has such custom actions where people can code or add their own code to whatever no code that they're using process is the modern low code no code platform for advanced automation and creating an enterprise grade backend for your software even if you use bubble or anything but you can any listener or viewer can request a free account at process.app and they get 
every month one full hour of execution time which is equivalent to 100 human hours and to the listeners and viewers who need more than that there is a very generous 50% upgrade code that you can use it's better 50 off one word capital letters and you can read more in the description and you Alexis can you speak about contournement what people can learn there some francophone or french-speaking people or not as well as about your uh, podcast what's interesting there so that people can find you and can uh, learn more uh, thanks for, for this opportunity well contournement is like all the content we produce is in french so if you speak french please uh, come we'll be very happy we we do courses about no code ops i would say so it's like focused on on several tools um and this like whole like we have a, a introductory course i would say about uh, no code ops like connecting several tools and understanding this philosophy of using several tools to to be more productive um and then there is the french no code community also if you speak french everyone is welcome there and uh, the, I, I do a small podcast in English where I had a chance to meet uh, Chris from uh, NoCode Germany and uh, several people. When I travel, I try to meet the interesting NoCoders no uh, where, where I am. And so I interview them. So that's in English. And I also ask them a little bit about their, their, their city, their country. I'm, I'm looking, and if you're watching this and you're part of a local uh, NoCode community, please contact me because I'm, I'm looking for all the communities and see, you know, what's the what are i think we can learn a lot you know by exchanging how people are doing no code in different countries and i'm interested in seeing the differences and maybe maybe there are no differences everyone's doing the same which that would be also interesting so yeah this is uh, more like the international uh, version of it thank you alexis this was my privilege my honor a truly enriching conversation and we went in all directions and it was all interesting. And I thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for your time. It was super, super interesting exchange, definitely. We learned a lot by all those chats. So, and that's why I'm super happy to, to do this. Yeah.